Hello and welcome to the Literally Gagging podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to all those filthy little books that you find. Maybe they're not even filthy, maybe they've just got sex in them and you want to read them and find out more about the human vagina. If the thought of a woman tasting and describing her lady batter like it's a fine wine makes you feel queasy, this ain't the podcast for you. Those with sensitive stomachs, be warned, this book that we're reviewing today is not for the faint hearted as ever i am joined by my co-host hannah how are you hannah i'm good mate how are you this week i am literally bored out of my skull like i have hit a point and i don't know what to do anymore i actually this is how sad i am i went to primark when the first day opened are you one of those people (laughs) i didn't queue I went at half five when it was just dead and there was no one in there. And I just picked up, you're going to yell at me for this. I bought leggings for the first time in about seven years because I don't have any loungewear. I am currently wearing them now with just a t-shirt and all I can hear in my head is you screaming at me, leggings are not trousers. I have a confession to make. (laughs) The only reason I owned leggings in the first place is because I got them to go to the gym when gyms used to be a thing that people went to. But then obviously gyms don't exist anymore and I'm not wearing real clothes. So I've literally just been wearing leggings and a t-shirt basically every record we've done (laughs) every day for the whole of lockdown this is such a bamboozle listeners a bit of backstory whilst we were at uni hannah would come in to rehearsals and lauren and lauren Lauren let's let's name and shame lauren dragging her down as well hannah and lauren would go on epic rants about how they'd see girls walking around uni in just leggings and a t-shirt and obviously these girls hadn't invested in high quality leggings so it was all just actual bums and vpl they might as well have just been wearing a pair of tights yeah and like a, just a, not even a long t-shirt like a normal t-shirt and i would like to say that was oh fuck me it was 10 years ago my feminism has come a long way since then and if you <laughs> want to wear just tights and a t-shirt baby girl you do that but back then i was not a good feminist and i didn't approve but now i am that person what have you been up to this week What have I been up to this week? I do agree that I feel like furloughs hit quite hard. Like I can barely remember a time before this. And I feel like I've done a full cycle of lockdown. I'm back at square one where like all the hobbies I picked up in week one that had obviously fallen by the wayside because it's been a very long time. I'm back on TikTok. Um, I'm back on. <laughs> I'm back on doing my little tarot card journal. Oh, nice! My mum used to read tarot, and she had to quit because my mum's not one for the ooky spooky sort of life. She does not enjoy okay. anything like that. Everything my mum predicted started coming true and she freaked herself out so much she had to get rid of them i love that i'm not quite at the like doing the reading stage i'm still like learning what all the cards mean but it's fun and it's quite like therapeutic i find it quite like chill and it's nice to like write by hand as well so what are you drinking this week hannah this week i'm drinking a camden pale ale because i went to a shop um, (laughs) and bought some beer it's good it's pretty standard but i'm enjoying it i know you're not a big fan of an ipa but it's good what are you drinking i'm gonna crack it open now let's see if we can I'm a basic bitch and I have therefore gone and bought some White Claws and honestly I drink fizzy water, I can't drink still water so for me this is like being hydrated with a hint of flavour and getting drunk at the same time. 
honestly that sounds rank i hate fizzy water i just think it's so gross like water is fine i don't know how they can take something that's fine and make it so gross no i only drink fizzy water fucking bougie bitch i can't drink still i need the fizz well you didn't judge me for the shambord that i had no. i'm not gonna judge you for my white claws so shall we dive into this week's book i said at the beginning of the podcast that those with sensitive stomachs be warned and i really mean that i am someone who is a fainter i was banned from taking biology a level at my school because i fainted so much at gcse i fainted during a level history because we were doing the history of medicine and my teacher didn't believe me that i was squeamish so he kept going and going and going which is fascinating to me because i think i knew you were a little bit squeamish but considering how scatological you are as a person (laughs) and how happy you are to talk about shit i'm surprised that you're it's just a facet of your personality that i think you'd spoken about but i didn't truly appreciate until we read this book i feel like i've got to know you a lot better i feel like our friendship is bonded by the shared trauma of reading this book together so if at any point you feel squeamish please just stop we can't put timestamps in because it's 90 percent of this book is disgusting so oh yeah let's get into this book we should say as well that this was suggested to us it was it was recommended to us by a listener. <laughs> so excited. So excited that we have listeners. Um, recommended to us by Stephanie Barnes, who got in touch because she's studying this as part of her MA in gross women. I thought I was gross until I read this book. Thank you, Stephanie, for the recommendation. I'm really, really glad that you flagged it because I've seen this in bookshops a few times and I have no idea why I didn't pick it up because if I'd ever read the blurb, I definitely would have bought it. So thank you for the recommendation. And... We're also going to say, top of the show, we are dropping the How Wet Did You Get segment for this episode because this book is not intended to be sexy in the way the other books we've read have been like erotica and the point has been you're meant to get aroused reading it whereas this is a book about sexual things in the human body and all that stuff. And the fluids. and It's about that, but I don't think that was the intended like outcome for a reader so we're going to drop that because it's not a sexy book in that sense but there is still a lot to talk about usually on this podcast we go through the book from start to finish and talk about the sexy bits in between and do it chronologically there isn't a lot of plot so what we're going to do is give you the plot up front it's not plot driven anyway like the point of the book isn't to go on this like epic journey with this character it's more about her like introspection and her thought processes and stuff so wetlands was written by Charlotte Roche who was born in 1978 in High Wycombe but her parents moved to Germany when she was very young as her dad got asked to set up a Mars bar factory out in Germany which is kind of cool. At the age of five her parents divorced which she generally incorporates into all of her books and she very much incorporates it into wetlands. At the age of 17 she left home to form an all-girl garage rock band called the Davinskys. They didn't really go anywhere or do anything like they didn't have an album. She then auditioned for Viva, which is the German equivalent of MTV, and was a presenter on there for several years. In 2017, amid Brexit worries, she officially became a German citizen. Fair play to her. Could do worse than Merkel. You could do worse than Merkel. We are doing worse than Merkel. But her second novel, Wrecked, is a reference to her three brothers who 
died in a car accident on the way to her wedding. Fuck. Which is that bleak, man. rough, isn't it? That's horrible. We are, of course, talking about her first book, Wetlands. So this came out in 2008 and was the world's best-selling book on Amazon in March 2008 as well. She said she was inspired to write the book when she was at the bog at her pal's place. And, you know, when you're in your friend's toilet, you go, like, ruffling through all their shit to see what products they use, if they're eco-friendly, why they're on this medicine and she saw a bar of soap specifically for vaginal washing and was like am I the only person in the world who doesn't use pussy soap so that's why she wrote this book she claims it's an assault on the sanitised and American cleanliness rules that women follow without a second thought it attacks society's obsession with hygiene in particular shaving it's been dubbed as erotic or pornographic, but I really have to disagree with that. I do not think it's pornographic. It's interesting to me that some people clearly would class anything about the female body as pornographic because I don't think this is at all. I think it's just a woman being really brutally, like painfully honest about her relationship with her body and hygiene. It doesn't necessarily mean it's sexy because it's not. I wouldn't class it as sexy. Most reviews at the time were very pro the book except for Sally Tisdale from the New York Times who says Rush thinks she's a pioneer but seems to know nothing about the extensive literature of women's sex Sexuality. Sally also hopes that any young woman heading to buy this book will go to the erotic section and pick out a book there. It's so interesting that everyone seems to think that she meant it to be sexy. My read of this was not that it was meant to be like getting us titillated. No. That's almost the opposite of it. It can be a book about sex without being sexy. And the fact that the female body is so inherently sexualized, you can't put pictures of breastfeeding on Facebook because it's like breaks their sexual whatever. No, nipples are a no-no. It's even on RuPaul's Drag Race when they're wearing the boobs for queens and they blur out their nipples. Topless men, fine. But as soon as they've got a breastplate on, you've got a sense of the plastic women's nipples. It's so weird. I also want to give out, because this book was actually written in German, although she is... English, she pretty much German. I'd like to give a shout out to the translator on this, who is male, translated by Tim Moore. I found out from one article that he is a translator for Playboy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they think that might be why they only call the vagina the pussy a lot in it, because he's so used to calling it that in Playboy. And maybe the original German has more synonyms. More like nuance to it. Yeah. Yeah. But translation is hard, so fair play to him. And I can imagine translating this was exceedingly difficult. Yeah. What are your impressions? What are your thoughts, feelings, opinions on this book? So I really, really liked it because this is exactly up my street. Like I really like things that are a bit transgressive, a bit gross, especially about women. There's a lot of taboos around women's bodies. I really like unlikable characters because people aren't likable. And especially when you're in a character's head. And I'm like, if someone else could get a little bug in my brain and hear what I was saying, no one would want anything to do with me. And I think that's probably true of everybody. Oh, completely. And so I quite like writers who will face up to that and will be like, yeah, people are shit and people do shit things. People especially think shit things that they would never Mm, voice out loud. So I really liked it. What did you think? I don't know. I genuinely don't know what I think of this book because 
For starters, I tend to be someone who likes a story. I'm not a great reader. I don't know why I have a reading podcast. Um, <laughs> I've read more books in the past three months than I have in the past three years. I will say it was really easy to read. It flowed really well. I, again, because I'm so squeamish, I couldn't read parts of it. There's one particular scene I couldn't read those two pages. I know exactly which bit you mean because it was the closest I came to not being able to read it. Apparently when she did read, you know, when you go to like a book reading and stuff, people were fainting during this book reading. That doesn't surprise me. Have you heard of Chuck Palnick? No. So he wrote Fight Club. He wrote the book of Fight Club, oh, okay. but he's written a lot of other things as well. My partner loves him, so we literally own everything he's ever written. And he has a short story called Guts, which is famously the one that he would read at readings and people would faint. I tried to read it and I couldn't read it. Like there came a point where I had to stop and put it down. You know, when you get that sick feeling in your throat and this is the closest thing I've ever read to something like that Chuck Palnick story, which is for slash about slash by a woman. So I'm not surprised at all that she had fainters at her readings because it's a lot. I did a lot, like when I was reading it and I was in, if I was reading it in bed, I'd do that thing where you like, you sort of tense up and you go really tight and you just like shake your legs on the bed like, no, 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 no. I spent a lot of this with like everything below the waist just like clenched. Her body fucking goes through it in this book. So the book is set entirely in a hospital. 18 year old Helen Memel, she's in hospital because she constantly gets hemorrhoids. She gets hemorrhoids, but she calls her cauliflower. And she is down there shaving her asshole and she nicks it like with the razor, she cuts herself. And because it's Uranus, it gets infected pretty quick. So she has to go into hospital to get the infection removed. While she's in hospital, we learn that her parents are divorced and she's going to use this time to do the parent trap and try and get her mum and dad back together again. Because which better way to get your parents back together than over their sick child's bedside is her plan. It does not work out. So she is starting to heal a bit and the nurses, she can't leave until she's had a healthy bowel movement. And the doctors and nurses come in all the time and ask about that. She keeps lying to them, but she's like, ah, they're going to cotton on soon. So I've got to make it worse. And this is the bit we couldn't... Oh, yeah. Because they basically say, like, the wound's basically healed now and we're going to have to send you home soon regardless. And so she's like, I need to stay here for longer to get my parents back together. So I need to reopen that wound. We also learn that Helen and her mum don't get on particularly well. It starts off by Helen talking about the fact that her mum used to say, it's sort of a gypsy curse type thing. If you get too many compliments about one particular thing, that thing will eventually disappear. And Helen used to get complimented a lot on her eyelashes. So Helen has this sort of memory, but she's not too sure if it was a memory, if it's a dream, or if the drugs she took as a kid have really fucked her up, of her mum cutting off her eyelashes and saying it's only a dream when she sort of wakes up, which, I think her mum did that. I literally wrote next to it, fucking hell, that's dark. But I can absolutely believe it from the other things that we learn about her mum. Yeah. I also checked with my half Romani friend and he said his granny used to say the same thing and he doesn't know whether it changes from family to family, but his gran would only compliment him on his hair once a year. He has very nice hair. Interesting. And then we find out that her mum had also tried to not just commit suicide, 
but like take her younger brother with her. So it says here, she goes into the kitchen and lying there on the floor are my mum and my brother, hand in hand. They're asleep. The oven door is open. It smells like gas. What do I do? I once saw a movie where somebody struck a match and the house blew up. So nice and slow, I carefully creep over to the oven and turn off the gas. Then I open the windows and call the fire department. I can't think of the number for the hospital in order to get an ambulance. Oh, both are on the way. Yes, they're still sleeping. I can ride with them. Two ambulances, a whole crew, flashing blue lights, sirens. They have their stomachs pumped at the hospital and dad comes directly from work. Nobody in the family has ever spoken about it. So it's another thing where she's like, maybe because no one's ever spoken about it, maybe it's a dream, maybe it didn't happen. Every now and then when she is kind of half asleep, she convinces herself that she can smell gas to the point where in the hospital, she gets up and goes and finds a nurse, even though she can't really walk and stuff because she's had this surgery and is like, my room smells of gas. Can you come and check it out? And then when she comes back with the nurse, it just doesn't and she's like oh I've imagined it again and just little things like that are quite interesting because they make her as a narrator quite unreliable you're not quite sure what you can and can't believe about what she's saying and it sort of takes us quite nicely to one of the first really disgusting bits of the book where she talks about the difference between male and female hygiene and it says her mother placed great importance on the hygiene of my pussy but none at all on that of my brother's penis he's allowed to dribble piss without wiping and to let the last few drops dribble into his underwear washing your pussy is considered a deadly serious science in our home it's made out to be extremely difficult to keep a pussy really clean which is nonsense of course a little water a little soap scrub scrub done that's not the disgusting bit but that's just to sort of give you a sense of why Helen might be like this because her mum's a bit puritanical in every aspect of her life that Helen is rebelling with a lack of hygiene. She goes off the other way real hard. Real fast we get the word smegma. Yeah. Which in itself is just... When you re- when I first read that word, I was like, oh no. We're in for a bumpy ride. It's not something that you see pop up very often. One of her friends says that smegma can only be used for boys. But she's like, well, what do girls have then? What is that thing that's in my pants all the time? And she, she likes to dip into the smegma and then dab a little bit of it behind her earlobes. She calls it slime quite a lot dabs a little bit of the smegma slime behind her earlobes and wears it the way that people wear perfume. This is a thing, I googled it. It's called vabbing. Oh my god. And it is a thing that people do because it's like pheromones, isn't it? It's like your personal pheromones. And a lot of the things that she does in this book, and I think this is the first like real example of it, is even though she sort of knows no one else is really going to notice, like no one's going to go, Helen, have you put your vaginal smegma behind your ears? Instead of like no one's going to do that (laughs) that's kind of the satisfaction she gets is like it's her little secret she's done this thing and no one else knows about that seems to be her king yeah but it gets grosser as it goes on i think the things that she does get like more and more outlandish it's the one thing she has control over especially in the face of her mum and stuff and i will say especially with the earlier bits i'm not gonna say it for all of it because i don't want to be associated with a lot of it but there are a couple of the earlier bits that i did make notes and be like women's bodies are so taboo that the things she's saying should not be shocking to me as a woman with a body but they are that's true i think again i'd be a little bit disturbed if a guy came and put that behind his ears yeah or if a guy used his own smegma i think it's smegma in general is what grosses me out 
it's a private thing there's a bit where she says there's no way i can spread my legs for some guy to get thoroughly eaten out for instance without knowing myself how everything smells looks and tastes down there and i was like you know what that makes a certain amount of sense she likes to smell and eat her smegma and you put it like that it sounds like it doesn't make sense <laughs> but i think the the sentiment of that is i think there's a bit where she's like i don't like the idea that the men i'm sleeping with know more about my body than i do which i have to have a certain amount of appreciation for yeah you've enlightened me a bit because i didn't think of it like that i thought of it is like oh it's your own vag juice and it is i'm I'm not i'm not saying that it's not a bit everything i'm just gonna say it now so i've prefaced it i don't have to keep saying it everything i'm gonna say Mm. about how gross this book is because it is gross like it is it's meant to be it's gross but a little part of me all the way through was like we all do gross stuff when no one's looking we just don't write books about it and we all should in a way be in touch with our bodies maybe not quite as much as helen is no she's very in touch with it as a concept it made sense to me the execution of it was hard to read at times. So maybe we should have an open conversation with ourselves and talk about all the gross things we do. We don't have to tell anyone else, but just just for you. So one of the things she does, and after reading this, I was like, oh, maybe I'll never sit on a toilet seat again, is she describes herself as a walking laboratory of pussy hygiene, which I did enjoy. I would like that on a certificate. <laughs> so she goes down to a toilet seat and she rubs her vag all along it, like all along the seat. Um, she sucks up everyone else's pubic hairs, droplet splotches and puddles of different things. She sort of wants her pussy to be, I think, the ultimate fighting pussy. <laughs> like it's contracted so many bacteria and infections that it's now immune to everything and it's in response to the fact that her mum taught her to never sit on a public toilet seat that's unhygienic and so she's like learned how to pee kind of like squatting rather than actually sitting on a toilet and then she took things too far the other way by being like well if mum says i'm not allowed to do this i'm not just gonna sit and have a wee i'm gonna like absolutely get up in there on all the public toilet seats Another thing that we are learning about Helen is that she's a bit like Abby from Vox in that she is constantly wet. She's a wet willy. One of her boyfriends used to sing By the Rivers of Babylon. Whilst they were... uh, That was funny. I enjoyed that. I enjoy a good bit of wet pussy humour. She also, another thing, again, like Vox, she doesn't call her vagina by its anatomical name. She calls the inner labia the dewlaps, the outer labia, the lady fingers, and the clit, the snail tail. It's never explained why. She just does. And that's what she uses to describe it all the way through the rest of the book. I had to like go back and be like, what she took what part of this Which was she this? talking about? Because I couldn't remember. Can we just call them what they are in these books? Because it really makes it easier than having to remember all the fucking different code names you have for your vagina. I know they don't have cool names, but like the inner labia and the outer labia and the clit are fine. Does the job. So that's that's an intro to Helen. Literally, the first line of the book is about hemorrhoids. You get anal on page two. But this is all in the space of less than 20 pages. I mean, I would say she just seems very keen to, like, experience lots of things. That seems to be the thing about Helen. Yeah. She just wants to do everything with her body. But again, it's all happening inside her head so she can be as honest as she needs to be in her in a monologue. And she's also quite honest about the things she does with men. So she 
talks about how her mum again had always been like make sure you wash yourself out after sex which I do advocate peeing after sex you don't have to be scrubbing around in there but just go for a week you don't want a UTI UTIs aren't fun fun. like at all but Helen disagrees Helen likes to keep the sperm in her as much as possible so she can like sit there in her classes and feel the cum dribbling out and then she takes her partner being like oh, just felt your cum leave my body and she also likes to wank a guy off and let all the spunk dry under her nails so she can like bite her nails and bite so she can like scrape it out afterwards i did like a visual demonstration for molly then you knew what it looked like you didn't need to watch me do that oh yeah It just, I can't stand having long nails for that reason. So we then skip ahead to sort of, it's not a sexy scene. It's the nearest we're going to get to a sexy scene. Do you know what? We learned from riders that this is someone's fetish. So she works on a market stall for a racist old man. In the market, he's selling to this African guy and she feels embarrassed like about the way that her boss spoke to him so she finds him in the market and apologizes and then he's just sort of straight up like oh are you shaved and she's like no and he's like cool here's my number be here at this time and she's like cool why not and they get naked and he just shaves her all over so he comes back with the he's naked with one of those little miners lights on his head so he can see get all up in there shaves her armpit shaves her legs and then shaves her vagina and bum hole and she's like proper got going by it because as we establish later she's definitely a bit of an exhibitionist like she gets off on these things that she does so he shaves everything and then she says do you want to fuck me now and he's like no you're too young for me and she's like too bad do you mind if i fuck myself here then or do i have to wait until i get home to come and he's like oh go ahead make yourself at home i like the description of when he was like looking in her vagina with the head torch on and it just must be like all aglow and red and it's a very detailed look into the vagina if you are down there shaving it i think and she says that the reason she's in hospital is because she's been shaving her bum and cuts herself and she's basically saying like it's really hard to do because you can't see what you're doing it was honestly probably the first time i'd thought that i was like oh i haven't ever seen myself from that angle but other people have and that's a bit of a weird thought isn't it yeah it's a bit of a weird thing but then you never really see your own face do you see that fucks me up like when i think about that for too long it fucks me up (laughs) crazy we'll close the door on that and we'll go back to go back to canal canal and helen while she's masturbating she asks if she can wear the head torch so she can look down at herself we should say as well that she's not just having a wank with her own fingers she's using the long bit of the razor the handle and she describes it oh what does she say it feels like the finger of a 14 year old like hansel's finger of bone weird so she's wanking with the razor whilst wearing a head torch and looking at herself doing it and then there's another person in the room whilst this is happening and it literally just says like he watches me we don't get more on what he's doing we don't get the idea that maybe he's getting off on it i think one of the things i really liked about this book she doesn't really give a shit what other people think or are doing as long as she's happy and then by the end of it he's not even there and she's barely noticed she finishes and she's like oh where's he gone and they'd agree to do this every saturday but to be honest can you imagine how nice it would be to be shaved they're going to enjoy it i don't have to bother crack on i also don't have to worry about like the weird positions in the shower i'm standing in 
to get everything, that clump that I've missed down there. Maybe I should start waxing. I mean, I'll be honest, that's not an experience I've had since September 2019 because I just don't shave anything anymore. Wow. I'm a busy lady. I've not got time. I'm very lucky that I've got very pale hairs, very fair, very thin, so I don't have to shave very often. Like, I've never plucked my eyebrows in the same way as well because I've just never had to. Oh my God. I've not plucked my eyebrows since lockdown started and I've gone full cave woman. It's crazy. And I keep wanting to pluck them because they're starting to piss me off, but I want to say yeah. I didn't pluck them for all of lockdown just to see. My friend once pinned me down and was like, you don't have a face without eyebrows and drew my eyebrows on for me one night and I was like oh my god what have I been doing my whole life without drawing on my eyebrows but yeah she says that when Canel shaves her it's very slow it's very affectionate and the reason she ended up in hospital is because she just does it really fast and she doesn't really care and she's like oh this is such a pain and that's how it gets infected and that's how you end up having to have bum surgery oh my god I've never actually imagined how painful it would be to have a razor on your asshole ah Oh, oh my God. Even when you get that little tiny razor nick like on your knee, the back ah. of your knee is the fucking worst thing in the world. Oh. It hurts so much and it bleeds so much. Oh my God. I just thought of the pain she must have gone through when she did that. Oh, so we sort of leave it there with Kemmel. I think he pops up very, very briefly later on. Oh yes. So he pops up later on because they discuss something else that they like to do together. So in school, people would say to her, go climb a pole, you egg hole. As just like a silly thing that kids say. It didn't mean anything. So she decided to make it to mean something and her and Canel put eggs into her vagina. Like they try a raw egg at first, but that broke in his hand as he was trying to insert it into her vag and she was covered in goop. So then they discussed it and they boiled an egg eight minutes very hard they were specific on that and then they managed to put it into her vagina and that's it that was all she wanted she enjoyed that she likes putting things inside her like things that maybe you wouldn't expect so she does a hard-boiled egg and the other thing which is a kind of a separate thread is she has she calls them her family she has lots of little avocado stone babies where you I googled it and this is how you do it. You put toothpicks in them and you like propagate them in water so that the roots sprout and you meant to put them in like a dark place for some of it so they think it's winter or whatever. So when you plant them, they can become little trees. And one of the things she does when she's kind of propagating her avocado stones is that she will take them out of the little jars she's doing them in and pop them inside her so she can birth them because they are her avocado babies and one of the other ways that her mum fucked her up we assume is that as soon as she turned 18 she got herself sterilized yeah and that's very much skimmed over the only time it's mentioned is she's like i've been in this hospital before when i came for my sterilization and that's it i think now they won't sterilize you at 18 maybe you can in germany it's a massive decision to make at 18 yeah and like i've made some really fucked up decisions at 18 like i just got a really shit tattoo and it is really shit but at least i can cover it up but so she says the only way she's ever going to have the sensation of birthing something is by putting an avocado stone inside her and then popping it back out again and she talks about how great her pelvic muscles are to do that and i think she must be right because i don't know if i could fit an avocado pip up my vagina and birth it i mean i wouldn't want to but i don't think i could if i wanted to but i might start growing avocados off the back of this no yeah literally gagging avocados that's the big takeaway i've got from this is i'm and i'm gonna call one helen and it'll be lovely 
Apart from the big scene, which we will get into at the end, we're gonna have to, there's one other bit that made me like gag. I was literally gagging. <gasps> See what I did there? When I read this bit. Not in a sexy way. Not in a sexy way. <laughs> Helena asks that they keep the bit of the anus that they remove so she can have a look at it because she can't picture what has been taken off. So she wants to have a look at it. She's also ordered a pizza. She's meant to be only having a high fibre diet, but they let her order a pizza. She has a weird vision about men spunking over pizzas. She talks about this almost urban legend of these girls who order a pizza and are like quite rude to the people on the phone. And so when the pizza comes, they're like, this tastes a bit weird by coincidence one of the girls is the daughter of a food inspector and so when they take the pizza to his lab it has the spunk of five different men on it because that's what you get when you're rude to pizza people they will come on your dinner helen's like i'd kind of like that so i'm always rude to pizza people on the phone hopefully some will spunk on my pizza she gets given the pizza and the bag of her own flesh at roughly the same time and she uses the top of the pizza lid as like a plate to as put like a the plate to put her ass on and she examines them all and she's like oh it wasn't one chunk it was lots of little chunks i didn't know about that and she looks at it and she's like some of it has like yellow bits on it that must be the pus and then she's like well i'm bored of this now what do i do with my hands because they're covered in bloody fleshy pussy mess of my anus and she's like do i wipe them over the bed no that'd make a mess do i wipe them over my hospital gown no that would still make a mess well it's all stuff from my own body even if it's infected i lick my fingers off one at a time i am always proud of myself when i come up with an idea like that it's better than sitting helplessly in a bed and hoping somebody happens by with wet wipes. Why should I be disgusted by my own blood and pus? I'm not squeamish about infections. I pop pimples and get the pus on my finger and happily eat that. Ugh. Yeah, I do appreciate when she's like, it's me, isn't it? It's all me. So why, what's the point of being squeamish about it? I think an infected piece of your bum is like a bit different from a pimple. I'm not a scientist. I should have checked with my science bitches. I have a set of science bitches. And I don't think you should be eating your own pussy butt skin flaps. Another thing, she talks about how she goes to her gynecologist a lot. And I'm like, what 18 year old has a gynecologist? And she needs one. She's not. She does. She's not fine in that department. <laughs> it's a wise investment for her. It's a good choice. She seems to have quite a good relationship with her gynecologist. She does. Like they seem to have bants for, for an 18 year old girl and her like middle-aged male gynecologist. After she's licked her own pus. It turns out she's on her period and we learned that she is bffs with her gynecologist from all the things that she does being on her period and she does some weird ass things so basically she doesn't buy tampons because she's like why would i give money to a big company when all it is is just a little thing that you put inside so she makes her own out of toilet paper while she's in hospital she makes one out of gauze which i think is probably a much better thing to make a tampon out of than bog roll tampons are bad tampons are really bad for you i think what helen does is slightly worse in the fact that you know how you're supposed to change your tampon every three to four hours well helen 
decides that she doesn't like making these tampons very often so she'll use the same one as long as possible and she'll take it out to have a piss and put it on the floor in a public restroom and then just pop it back in and again. she is like the dirtier the better the whole of this book is her just trying to prove basically that she's fucking immortal and that she can put as much bacteria into her body as possible and she's gonna be fine oh. don't try this at home no, folks please like don't. there are tried and tested ways even if you don't want to use tampons there are other eco-friendly ways to manage your period without putting pieces of kitchen roll up i tried a moon cup once and it was one of the worst things that has ever happened to me if you're squeamish a moon cup's not going to be for you i was on the floor in my bedroom because i lived in a shared house at that point and you only get a certain amount of toilet time so i was on the floor in my bedroom trying to get this thing out And I was texting my friends like, I think I'm going to have to go to hospital this morning because I can't get this thing out of me. And I was crying. And one of my friends like sort of talked me off the ledge. For me, it was just far too much being inside my own body and rolling around in my own menstrual blood. Unfortunately, because of the nature of most menstrual products, is if you want something eco-friendly, it's going to be reusable in some way. So like, for example, I use reusable pads. And when you change them, you have to like rinse them out in cold water and like until they run clear. And that is what's taught me that I am not squeamish about my own menstrual blood. I have friends who I've recommended it to and they've gone, that's not for me. And I'm like, that's absolutely fine. If it's not for you, I have no judgment. But not only does Helen make her own tampons she loses them inside herself which is why she's on such good terms with her gynecologist but what really got me is that when she described the fact that if she lost it up herself and she was at her dad's gaff she would go and use the barbecue tongs oh yeah this was rough i was imagining big like plastic ones same that's what i imagined but you can get like thin metal tweezer like ones okay which i'm going to assume in this circumstance Please. she used usually there's charred bits of meat and fat stuck to them i couldn't be bothered to clean the tongs before they went inside of me so i laid myself down in the gynecological position and tried as best as i could to locate the clump of toilet paper in my pussy with all the stuff from the grill still on them often without finding anything just as i don't clean the tongs before i shove them inside me i don't wash them before they land back on my dad's grill i always have a broad grin on my face during barbecues with family and friends and i ask everyone doesn't it taste great and wave to my father who waves back with the tongue smiling my third hobby spreading bacteria and what gets me is this level of secretly making people do things against their will that's exactly it she gets off on like this is my little thing and no one knows about it but then if you take that to the next logical conclusion that means that lots and lots of people are not consenting to the things that she is yeah getting them to do as a feminist we're like a hundred percent about consent like everything's about consent just because you're a woman doesn't mean you should do things that make people not consent. You don't get to violate other people. Again, go back to the fact that she's a bit of an exhibitionist. She loves the second that she comes on her period putting out some white sheets and having sex and having sex in every position so it smears around and she doesn't just want to be laying there she wants to be squatting so that it all flows out you only bleed like a tiny little bit but as soon as you put like a drop onto a piece of fabric it will spread like a lot and that's kind of what she wants and she also uses the phrase one of the first dirty sayings i ever heard when i was very young was at a party my parents threw and i had to ask around a lot before i understood it 
It's okay to swim in the Red River as long as you don't drink the water. But she has found some men who are happy to drink the water. And she refers to those days when she's like, you know, when you're like, your flow is really heavy as her wolf days. Because if someone goes down on you and then like comes up with like the blood all over their face, she said they look like a wolf. My friends call it border collieing, that you come up with like the exact same markings that a border collie has because they've got white eyes generally. And like <laughs> a little bit here and a little bit, yeah. She's really interested in other women's bodies. She doesn't know what's normal because people don't talk about this stuff and her mum's really messed her up. So as soon as she turns 18, as well as getting sterilised, one of the fun things she does is she takes herself to a brothel so she can learn more about the female body. And I like the way that she described it on a man's 18th birthday he sort of expected that he will be taken to a brothel to lose his virginity that's a very traditional thing but a woman's never taken to a brothel it's like a thing it was just a fucking weird thing but it's like a thing where like your uncle or your dad just think especially maybe like it's like quite an american thing yeah thing. is that you'll get taken to a hooker for your 18th do you know what i wouldn't even say it's an american thing i would say it's a dickhead thing like if you come from a dickhead family we're not going to besmirch all of American culture with that no. accusation. It's dickhead culture that is the problem. And so she goes to study at the feet of these women. She had trouble finding a brothel that would serve women, which is insane because women like pussy too. Why can't lesbians go to a brothel? They're probably going to be better customers. Yeah. It says here she is because she doesn't go in drunk because she has too much respect for the women and the job that they do. But she also gets told that she has to go during the afternoon so that the male johns don't see her and get annoyed because they get annoyed when a woman is there to also pay for sex. What the fuck? And also there's a bit later on where she says that she went to one sex worker and they didn't really hit it off. It was just that she didn't really fancy her. It was just the big titted one, the ginger one. Yeah. I felt personally attacked when reading this because I was like, is this me? Are they talking like, <laughs> where they were describing how apathetic she was. And <laughs> she didn't give a fuck. She didn't give a she fuck. Didn't there. She had light ginger hair and big skin tits. was the colour of cheese, which was a phrase I'd never heard someone say before. I think if you got me in a piece of ricotta up against each other, like, I think I would look like a piece of cheese. But one of the things she says that when she goes to this sex worker that she doesn't really have a great time with is that she's like i'm gonna pay her because it's her job and it's only polite she's been told that some of the male johns if they when the woman undresses decide they're not into it they'll just leave and be like give me another one and she's like well that might hurt her feelings that's not a very nice thing to do and like i picked her i don't get to change my mind now because that might upset her and so i'm just gonna see it through to the end and i was like helen i respect that oh my other question was to just to jump back quickly as a vegetarian would you use meat tongs in your vagina oh that i think that was the thing that bothered me the most about it was the fact that it said it had bits of meat stuck to it i was like if you've just been cooking some like halloumi kebabs on it maybe i would be fine it'd be cheesy like little crusty like burnt bits of meat like oh not the one so she never goes to black sex workers after having this very lazy white ginger sex worker she says this is all a quote she said because they have dark skin the interior colors of the pussy really pop when it's spread open much more than with white women where the contrast is an extreme something to do with complementary colors i think pussy pink next to light pink skin tone looks a lot more boring than pussy pink next to dark brown skin tone against dark brown the pussy pink looks lavender dark lavender bluish red swollen and throbbing 
I'm telling you, complementary colours. Brown skin complements pussy pink. Now, I don't think you can go into Dulux and ask for that colour chart. I don't think that exists. A lovely accent wall in pussy pink. Inspired by this, she decides to put makeup on her own vagina to try and emulate. To, like, enhance the tonal differences in the pussy pink. And she makes it darker the closer you get to the centre. She uses light pink and pink tones. Lip gloss. Like, I get eyeshadow. I mean, I don't get eyeshadow, but I get eyeshadow. But lip gloss. I'm like, that's sticky. sticky. And, that and glittery. Also, like, yeah. shiny. <laughs> and eyeshadow, I don't imagine having a very high pH factor. Whereas I think lip gloss would, which would offset the natural balance that your vagina has. I would think eyeshadow would make more sense if you're going for colour. Because lip gloss isn't very colour. Like, lipstick, maybe, yeah. to, like, outline something. It's also scented sometimes. It's like the only part of the book which is Helen in the most bizarre way possible, like taking care of herself. Yeah. Because everything else is her trying to be as disgusting as possible. And this is her being like, I wanted to look pretty. We're going to get on now to the part where her body really goes through it. We're going to go first into, because there's quite a lot in this which is sexual and things she's done with people and whatever. But this is the only real in the moment sort of sexual experience that she has in the hospital. She decides that she's going to sit on the floor in the corner of her room and have a wank. So no one can see her, which in a sense contradicts the fact that she's actually an exhibitionist. And she spent the rest of the book deliberately walking around in her hospital with her bum out. She talks a big game, but can she actually do a big game? And I don't think she can. I don't think she can. But then she's 18. I should cut her some slack. I'm not going to read all of it because it is a lot in that it's several pages long, but also it's just quite a lot. But she basically sits on the floor. She fishes one of her homemade tampons out of herself. She pops it on the radiator. And then she like digs her nail into her clit because she says that's the quickest way to get her wet. And she instantly starts dripping with slime. She puts her fingers inside herself and she can feel the like plug of gauze that she's got in her bum, obviously to stop it bleeding everywhere because she's just had surgery. It's very detailed. It's her feeling around inside herself. It's her discussing what the different parts of it feel like and stuff. And then she knocks a glass of water onto herself and she's just sat on the floor trying to get off, but then it's kind of ruined the mood a little bit because she's spilled water on her own head. And then the cleaner comes in and she's like hiding in the corner while the cleaner mops the floor. And it is the closest thing we have to like a sexy scene, but it's not sexy. That's the thing. It is her masturbating, but it isn't sexy. It is a perfunctory wank, isn't it? It's not a, I'm going to get you in the mood kind of wank that we've previously had in a lot of other books. But then her dad comes to visit her and he brings her a hemorrhoid pillow because he's trying to think of a nice present to get his daughter who has hemorrhoids. Her dad sounds very awkward. Like he's an engineer. Science bitches. Sometimes don't know how to interact with other human beings. But then the nurse is like, that is a surefire way to aggravate your wound. You can't use that. But that's what she wants because getting her mum and dad together hasn't worked. So she wants to aggravate the wound. So she has to stay in hospital for longer. She tries with the hemorrhoid pillow after everyone's left. It doesn't do the job it needs to. Do you want me to read this out? I'm going to try. If you want to take your headphones off. I'll take my headphones off. off. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. So she's looking around the room and she's trying to think of things that she can use. And she's like, bottle of water, that's not really going to do any damage. The TV's really high up. I've got a spoon. I've got a bowl. My gaze falls on the bed. There, that's it. The brakes on the bed's rollers. The wheels are big and metal with a rubber coating. They're equipped with some sort of foot brakes operated by a metal pedal. 
you've got the job pedal and she goes and she uh, she sits on the pedal I line my back up with it and slide awkwardly down, letting my ass land on the pedal. Now I sit on it. I wiggle back and forth. I have to scream with pain and put both of my hands over my mouth. If this doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can feel the pedal penetrating the wound. Pressing down hard, I make it bore in deeper. This is going to have to do. I'm crying and shaking with pain. It must have worked. My test hand makes its way down and wipes around. My entire palm is covered with fresh red blood. I need to lie down faster. I'm going to faint here. I need to be found lying in bed so I can just pretend this happened. Reading it out loud is almost not as bad as reading it in my own head, to be honest. No, but it's still... But it bleeds a lot. She's losing a lot of blood and it's all over the floor to the point where she gets back into bed and then goes, fuck, I've not cleaned it. Like, they're going to notice the blood there and like, how's their blood there? I'm not going to get away with this. She has to get back out of bed and she's worried that she's going to like hydroplane and fall over on like the sheer amount of blood. But one of the things that immediately after this made me really, really like laugh out loud. I don't know if it was that nervous release of laughter was she doesn't normally cry, but this is obviously it's fucking, fucking horrible painful. pain. She's crying. And so she takes the bottle cap from her mineral water and uses it to try and catch her tears just in case she needs them at a later date. And I thought that was really fucking emo and funny and dramatic. It was horrible to read. And as I said, I had to flick through it gross the whole book is gross there are so many elements that we haven't even touched upon in this book that we implore you to go back and look at like the fact that she has ass juice and all her douching problems there was a lot of anal that we've not delved into i mean there's a lot in general that we've not delved into to be honest but there's only so much time in the day it's just so much like the fact that she she has a friend that she swaps tampons with we didn't even get to get into and it really isn't for the faint-hearted at all but i would definitely if this hasn't completely grossed you out i would recommend going to read it because it is quite funny in places yeah if you're interested in this sort of exploration of bodies it's like a biology lesson in how to die Because I think in real life she would probably be dead from the amount of things she shoved inside of her. As we said earlier, it does make you kind of... Maybe it's just me. It does make you have a little think about your own approach to hygiene. Because I know that I am not as hygienic as I am led to believe we're meant to be. But when you actually get talking to people, no one is... I mean, that's how coronavirus happened. No one is as hygienic as we're supposed to be. And we're all still here, so... There is one bit where she talks about very prim, proper women who always have the makeup did, always have the nails done. They're very hygienic. They always smell nice. And I have just never in my life... I. I've seen these people. I've never in my life been one of them. And I remember I was at a leaving do for the artistic director of the theatre company I worked for. And we were talking about someone and I was like, oh, he's so nice smelling. I just really wish I could be one of those nice smelling people. Like, you know, when you walk past them in the street and you're like, oh, they smell nice. And she looked at me, then in the eye, she was like, Molly, I think sometimes you need to aspire for bigger things than just smelling nice. I think that's a perfectly fine aspiration to have. Do you shower every day, Molly? When I'm at work, I do. During lockdown, I haven't been showering every day. I've honestly probably showered more during lockdown because I've had more time on my hands. I tend not to shower on a Sunday or any day that I'm hungover unless I have to leave the house. But I've always come from a get up and shower in the morning kind of family i'm an evening wash gal and sometimes i mean i work a lot of evenings i don't always have the time i used to i mean this is like 
maybe this is why I like this book so much. I have a friend who I used to work with at one of my old jobs and we used to have competitions to see who could go the longest not washing their hair. As a curly haired person with very thin curly hair, you can't do that. Like I have to wash my hair every day, otherwise it looks shit. I'm not pretending my hair looked good during those periods when I went nine days without washing my hair. Like my hair looks shit. See, my disgusting thing was when I was working in a... I'm going to call it a high-end gift shop and you'd go to the stock room and everything was really dusty in the stock room and I remember being like oh the bogeys you get after spending a day in the warehouse are like some of the best bogeys you ever get you know that satisfaction of just pulling something out of your nose that you can feel and is really painful that's my disgusting true fact well that's what we thought of it anyway interesting read as i say we're not going to give it a, a wet rating because it's not quite that kind of book it's not applicable but other people on goodreads had opinions on it as they always do as always the people on goodreads just going god no which is not a review a lot of people again gave quite fair reviews kind of saying that what it's doing is interesting maybe it's not executed in like the best possible yeah, way yeah and i would sort of agree with that so there was a lady called stephanie not the stephanie who recommended it to us a different stephanie who gave it four stars and said this book was certainly different in inverted commas it was absolutely disgusting and made me cringe at most points and laugh at a few but i was still strangely intrigued by it i think the reason why i most enjoyed the book was seeing the courage that roche had to approach the very taboo subjects that it deals with i've never read anything like it and i wouldn't like to read more i think i only found this interesting because it's the first of its type that i've read i can completely understand that this is a book that you would either love or hate and to most people's tastes it might be a bit too unsettling to read and I admit that it is very repulsive yes there might have been better ways to break through the barriers of these taboos but I think she was successful in treating these subjects as kind of everyday occurrences because it's just the day-to-day of having a body really isn't it bodies are gross any of the nuanced reviews on Goodreads are normally good reviews because they're people who've bothered to write it properly yeah whereas the people who've just gone uh no probably haven't really thought about it was most of Amazon. Actually, some people did give it a good review, but I'm not about that. I'm all about the negativity. This is by Chin Chue. It was written in 2013, I think, because Amazon, you can write reviews from the second it comes out. It's good to date them so you can see if people change. They've said, waste of space. This is one of the worst books I ever not read. Really, maybe it's just me, but I found the lack of any interesting issues apart from body fluid releases, smells and so on, really not attractive. And it reached my dustbin at page seven. Wow. Another person, Maria Magdalena, who wrote this in November 2011, said, I read an article on the author and many reviews that this is such a groundbreaking book. Capturing the Raya themes, I recall reading in one of them. In reality, when you read this bit, you have a feeling that all it's trying to do is shock, gross you out, or something along those lines. I found it disappointing. It's the 21st century. I would think that a book has to have a bit more to it than a bit of sex and nakedness to be a bestseller. Well, it's not just a bit of sex and nakedness, no, though, is it? No, it's not. It's just bodily fluids. A big, deep dive right up yeah. into a vagina and a bum. It's gynecological. I would really love to know if anyone who who is a doctor, a nurse, or some sort of medical professional has read this book and how they find it because y'all deal with bodily fluids and gross shit on a daily basis, whereas we don't. And please tell us how infected she would be. Yeah, please let us know how dead she'd be. 
because we'd be interested to know. But thank you to Stephanie who recommended it. I'm really glad we read it, yeah. And I promise that next week we will have your regularly scheduled sexy time back. But, you know, we're mixing it up on this podcast. We can be literary. We can read books that aren't just silly bodice rippers. Maybe we're going to get a bit smart up in here occasionally. And if you just thought, you know, we're just going to do sexy books, I won't recommend any and you've got a perfect book in mind that is sex related, let us know because obviously we're keen. It doesn't have to be sexy, it can be sexual. Next week we are going to be doing a book called Lace by Shirley Conran, which is going to be another bit of a saga. It's like a 700 pager, a bit like Riders. We're going to try and make next week's episode a little bit more cohesive than the Riders episode was, but we're not going to make any promises. So maybe if you've already read it, amazing. If you can bang it out in a week, we'd be impressed. If you can find the TV show, let us know where you've downloaded it from because I would like to see how they're doing that. But that's what we'll be watching next week. So please tune back in then for another episode. And get your 1980s glamour. Blue eyeliner, back comb that hair. With a bit of sexy 80s on this podcast. As always, you can find us on all the socials at LitGagPod on Twitter, at LiterallyGaggingPod on Instagram, LiterallyGaggingPodcast on Facebook. We have an email address, which is LiterallyGaggingPod at gmail.com. If you would like to get in touch, if you'd like to recommend us a book, if you'd like to let us know if you are a doctor and you think that, that actually Helen's got the right idea and we should all be getting more in touch with our bodies we should be eating our own pus ass flaps so keep your hands nice and clean do not eat any infected parts of your body and if you smoke my taste good let us know we'll be whacking it on toast but yeah as always stay safe stay clean this has been a pleasure a gross gross pleasure wash everything i'm gonna, now. I'm gonna go and disinfect my whole life i'm gonna call a priest and get exercise after eating that to be honest <laughs> we'll see you next week bye bye a big thank you to Bobby Bates for doing all of our artwork and our logo and everything to Bethany Southworth for our jingle and the other incidental music is from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech the king of royalty free jams and saviour of media to students the world over